Greetings, friends. I'm John Haspel. This is a Dhamma talk from Cross River Meditation Center in Frenchtown, New Jersey. If you find benefit from this talk, please support the restoration, the preservation, and the presentation of the Buddha's Dhamma with your donation at becoming-buddha.com. Thank you. Peace. Good evening, everyone. Uh, before we start, since these are rather short chapters, Matt, our friend, is going to read our purpose statement, which is always a good reminder of how we conduct ourselves and what we're here for. Becoming Buddha Crossroad Meditation Center preserves and presents a human Buddha's Dhamma initially recorded as the second book of the Pali Canon, Sutta Pitaka. Our practice is informed from over 300 curated suttas restored by John to their original intent and practical focus. Our practice is empty of imagined insight, magical thinking, mystical grasping after, and unfounded speculation. Our teachers and students remain focused on these suttas to develop a direct mindful experience of establishing a well-concentrated, supple, and conflict-free mind through the Eightfold Path. It is the Eightfold Path that Siddhartha Gautama taught over the last 45 years of his life, the sole purpose of abandoning self-inflicted stress and suffering through ending ignorance of Four Noble Truths. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Matt. Is that the first time you ever heard that? Second. Second time? Good. <clears throat> so again, this is our 11th chapter. For those who hadn't heard Saturday's class, uh, please listen to that. I think it's a one of the more perfect examples of Dhamma practice within a, a well-focused Sangha. We, we touched on doubt and questions of justice, and I, I think we navigated our way through that really well. So... Again, just a, a really outstanding short little class. Tonight's class is on the Jaravaga chapter. And this is the chapter on the three marks of existence. Uh, this is the purpose of why we're here. The insight and understanding of these three truths. Uh, let me read John's opening and we'll go from there. Uh, the 11th chapter of the Dhammapada is the Jaravaga. This chapter is a profound and concise teaching of the three marks of existence. The opening statement referencing the fires of passion reflect the Buddha's view of the world as he describes immediate post his awakening in the Loka Sutta. So again, this, this practice really has one purpose gaining insight to these three marks of existence. The first mark is impermanence. One of the most impactful lines that I've heard, and I've heard this many times, was during our recent retreat in Frenchtown, be sensitive of impermanence. And I've heard that line over and over again, but that has uh, stuck with me each and every moment, each and every time I sit, that that's really what this whole practice is about, is understanding impermanence, that all conditioned things 
are impermanent. There's no exception except Nibbana. That's really the only exception. The second truth is that all impermanent things are unsatisfactory. It is dukkha, it is suffering. You want things to be different than what they are. And that's an unstable, unstableness of these things that we cling to. And then finally, because of the unstableness of it, you cannot make a permanent self out of this, anatta. So as you develop your practice, it's all about understanding and having that insight. And that insight is simply being sensitive to impermanence. That's the gist of it. That's anything more around that is the learning, the, the terms, the, the struggling with sitting, but the insight is simply the three marks of existence and understanding and having that insight to understand that, to understand impermanence is really the jumping off point to accepting that this thing that we have built is unstable. These five aggregates are simply not ours to own. So the Jaravaga, impermanence, not self and suffering. The world is always ablaze with the fires of passion, yet fools laugh with the light. Your mind is shrouded in darkness. When will you, when, will you not see? So John has mentioned multiple times uh, recently about the word opportunity. And uh, it, it's such a nice spin that this is an opportunity for all of us to have that insight that it gives a purpose to our practice, gives a purpose to the sitting and learning. Uh, again, this, this world that's ablaze, sure, there's so much out in the world that's troubling and we, we spoke of justice Saturday, but really the, the, the fires of passion, the world ablaze is in our mind. And that this practice is simply to get you to understand these three marks of existence. The Buddha continues, the body is, paint, is a painted image, a massive injury, disease, always craving. Understand all this is impermanent. When spent, the body is sick and fragile. Upon death, this foul heat breaks up as death is the end of life. Only fools delight in bleached bones scattered here and there. And I always think back to the one part of the uh, charnel grounds that, you know, once you strip this away, you know, you're enamored by a pretty face and, uh, you know, this you know, this desire, but in the end, it's just return to the earth and it's impermanent. Again, only fools delight in bleached bones and scattered here and there. John's comments, fools are enamored by the body while remaining ignorant of this fleeting nature of this body. The Buddha continues, the body is a frame of bones, plastered with flesh and blood, hiding decay, death, pride, and greed. Again, we're trying to make this thing of us be permanent. It's one of the main cravings of wanting to be permanent. We do all we can to 
prop this idea of David. And in the end, once you have an understanding, even a, even the beginning of understanding, it it gives me the peace that it's really this false desire to prop up something that is unstable. John's words, uh, there's nothing personal regarding any of the six properties that constitute a person. So in the end, that's all we are. We, we, we are just a six property person. We're not this thing that we've propped up and you know, fought to you know, make us permanent. We have children, we buy things, all things that will be impermanent. The Buddha continues, and I love this. We've seen this uh, a few times. The finest chariots wear out, as does the body. My Dhamma is timeless, and the wise make it known to others. The fool grows old in bulk alone, while continued ignorance obscures wisdom. John's words, nothing of any useful substance can be gained by the mind rooted in ignorance of the Four Noble Truths. Buddha's words, I too wandered in vain, not knowing the builder of, of my house, individual life. This is indeed suffering. Ignorance, this house builder, you are now seen. Ignorance will no longer build my house. Your rafters are broken, your ridge pole destroyed. My mind is free of ignorance. Craving has ended. And that's really what our practice is there for, is to end ignorance and this craving. And that's only through our jhana meditation and the Eightfold Path. Your, your growing concentration and your mindfulness is simply to have insight to these three marks of, exi of existence. The only way that your craving can be abandoned is this development, this ability to have that insight to impermanence. Buddha continues, ignoring the heartwood of my Dhamma, there is nothing of value gained. Fools languish in ignorance like old cranes in an empty pond. Those who wasted their lives clinging to ignorance gain nothing of value. Like worn up arrows, they can only sigh over the past. Take to the Dhamma, develop your practice, be gentle with yourself. There's dukkha with deluded thinking, and there's understanding and insight. Those are my words. That's the end. Thank you, David. Again, very short, but you know, each line really supports what we're here for. So when we go around the room, where is the phone? Brian, I'm gonna flip you around here, Brian. How are you tonight, Brian? Make me dizzy doing that. Um, I'm I'm good. Thanks for the teaching. They are so succinct, yet chock full of all the metaphor and imagery that just really, really hits on multiple levels of understanding. Um, and I I do love the simplicity of of focusing on just you know a handful of things. These three marks of existence, the the ego, 
the impermanence and the suffering of and the stress created by that ego and impermanence. And this is just a fantastic teaching on that. So thank you. And, and thank you. I, I forgot to mention uh, really Brian's comments was a secondary teaching on Saturday that kind of propelled the rest of the discussion. So uh, again, thank you, Brian. Yeah, I wish I remember what I said, but that's that's cool. I know. I know. It was good then. Go to the videotape. It was really good. <laughs> Gotta go back to the audio. Yeah. Okay. Deborah, how are you this evening? Learning how to work the computer, apparently. Thank you for your teaching. Um, I was taking notes tonight <clears throat> because my husband who prints up the suttas for us to have in front of us, has them in his briefcase, and he took a trip out of town. <laughs> so I was making notes and three marks of existence. I didn't write down number three, so I must have missed that. But I apologize, doing the best I can with brain fog. Which two did and you get? I got the impermanence, be sensitive to impermanence, all impermanent things are unsatisfactory, unstable things we cling to. Well, the, the second one is dukkha. And, and sometimes they're presented in different order, but it's essentially our misunderstanding and kind of delusional thinking of what impermanence is uh, will cause suffering. And uh, the last one is probably the most difficult one. But, you know, within the thinking of this teaching, uh, anatta, not self, just think of it this way. These aggregates that we cling to, that we see as a permanent thing, my perception is permanent. And, you know, obviously that's not a true statement. And this form is not a permanent thing. Therefore, I cannot hold this as a 20-year-old body, uh, and so on. It, it's it's a it's a foam on the water. So again, that's the uh, the the third one, Anita. Okay, thank you for the clarification, Julia. How are you? I'm well. Thank you, David, for the teaching. This was really great. Um, what I got out of this, I want to say that uh, it's like we're trying to, as human beings, we're trying to make this version of this this version of self, um, this stable, permanent thing, and trying to do all these things and reach these expectations, and um, then being hard on ourselves or feeling certain feelings because we're not matching these certain um, things that are quite impossible because nothing's permanent. So that's really kind of a, a I don't want to say like a waste of a life, but it's really, it's, I know that life is stress, but like, that's really stress, a really stressful way to live. So it's nice to just sometimes snap out of it and be a reference point to what's occurring. 
and, and don't you see that, uh, Julie, don't, don't you see with the insights that you have developed that the clarity that you go into these daily situations just makes you a more effective person in those situations? I mean, it's not perfect, obviously, but, you know, you going in with this clarity of understanding impermanence, even at the level that, you know, you or I are dealing with at this point, it's such a benefit. I know. And it's, um, I, it's, uh, it's, it's also like really beneficial to keep allowing ourselves to be gentle with ourselves when this happens, because it's not like it's, uh, it's not like it's necessarily a bad thing when we get wrapped up in it because we're able to realize, take a breath and then sort of, I guess, snap out of it. So instead of like being hard on ourselves on the fact that we are in this, I hope I'm making sense that we are in this, uh, stressful state of mind it's not permanent so yeah that's really <laughs> in a way you almost paraphrased the instructions for jhana meditation you you things arise they pass away and and just the nature of our practice it almost insists on being gentle with yourself because you understand that it is impermanent therefore it allows you to take that next breath and not not in a way where you're resolved that you, you snapped out of it, but you, in a way, just came back to your breath and, you know, you're sensitive to impermanence. And you reference one of my favorite movies. Oh, which one? Moonstruck. Moonstruck. Oh, snap out of it. Yeah. Julie, have you ever seen that movie? I haven't. <laughs> that would have been a good easy bet to win <laughs> it's a good movie you'll enjoy it anything yeah. else was the lead act no thank you though for the teaching this was really great good good nicholas what's his name nicholas Cage. Yeah, yeah. a lot of good people hello jane ah, hi david um thank you for the teaching this um suit is very appropriate for me, as I'm at this stage in my life, um, impermanence is, you know, very much in the forefront. Um, I see classmates of mine who have either died or are sick, and I notice I can't do all the things I used to do, but um, the practice has given me, you know, I'm not fighting it. <laughs> it's going to happen. Um, one way that I see vividly, I've always been a Yankee fan for many, many years, and if you ever, once a year, they have an old timers game. And if you want to talk about impermanence, I mean, you know, these are players who I've seen in their prime, you know, do all sorts of things. And now, you know, they struggle just to get onto the field and it's, you know, everybody's body breaks down no matter who you are. So it's, it's, it's a good example. So acceptance. <laughs> Except Derek Jeter, he'll never get old. Well, okay. <laughs> All right. Thank you, David. Thank you. Thanks, Jane. I think we got it. Let me go to Zach. 
Hello, Zach. Jane, I, when uh, you had me on the edge of the seat after you said, I've been a lifelong Yankee fan, so uh, I appreciate the insight there. I, I was thinking... Um, you're an advanced practitioner if you're a Yankee fan. Oh. <laughs> At the art yard here in Frenchtown, there's this um, roulette wheel. I don't know if anybody's seen it, mm -hmm. but um, it's this big wheel, wheel of fortune, and you know, you end up being born in a different place. You know, you are, uh, you're born to rural farmers in Africa. You're born into mm. a tribe here. You're born in Los Angeles to these folks. And I think so much of the narrative and the ego comes from the sense of birthright from where we're born, at least this is my experience. And, you know, when I spun that wheel, I did it a bunch of times, it really does make you think about where you're coming from and the nature of trying to hold on to that narrative uh, or continue to build upon yeah. that narrative. And- Is it a burden? I think it can be a burden. I think it certainly can be a burden. No, um, because it's well, it's craving and clinging, right? You're you're born into a certain set of expectations that are imposed upon you by family or society, mm -hmm. and then and then those become self-imposed, and that's probably the hardest. And yeah. I think on a daily basis, you could you could spin that wheel, and random things can happen to you, right? Mm -hmm. Um, you can also see it as, as you know, this is an opportunity that you have now. Yeah, they should call that <laughs> Will Duca, shouldn't they? If you would be a, a, uh, all described a, a, a farmer in, in Africa somewhere, you wouldn't have the opportunity to do this for yourself, like you're doing now. Sure. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so I, I've been thinking a lot about the, the, the term narrative. Uh, in my life, and it's been very helpful to appreciate what narrative I'm telling myself and whether or not that's uh, whether it's really serving me and my practice, I guess, mm -hmm. and how to apply some of the things that I've been learning here to uh, really at the end of the day be gentle with myself and those around me. So, yeah, practice, right? That's all you want. And the practice, the jhana part of it, as you establish that, as it deepens, you'll you'll see more insights. You'll see it, and most importantly, it's it's that your experience out in the world and how it, you start interacting with the world differently and. You know, you see these virtuous factors really come into play where it's not like I I really want to have better 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 speech because that's the right thing to do. It just becomes what you are. You just become more calm and that mindfulness allows you to, you know, approach each moment with that calm and just realize this narrative that you're kind of done your whole life is just it's unstable it's, it's really not what you are yeah 
and in that and that I see great opportunity. I find peace as well mm. because it's so much of the um, so much of the force that I apply to life and situations is a reflection of the ego. Yeah, put a thumb on the scale to make things go one way or the other. Yeah, and I think on a on a tactical level, we all have to do that. But in, in the end, it's you know you're causing stress because things aren't always you know leaning towards your way. So you lean even harder into it. So it's it's a it's a practice that allows me to you know Jay mentioned as we enter the back half of our lives to do this gracefully and you know with with an understanding that, that you know this isn't something to avoid this is something that's just happening and you know I, I can do it with a calm and peaceful approach so wow. yeah it, that line um the builder of my house um, i i heard an echo in there of um the buddha say i'm the heir of my actions i'm the owner of my actions mm. this, this is what builds the house uh, <clears throat> and it's uh it, it's fairly ramshackle and uh, it can fall down any minute it's interesting how he kind of like took a few metaphors mm -hmm. and and turned them around. Yep. You know, that a worn out arrow. You know, right? The, yeah. the, the house. You know, a lot of times it's you know this. And then, and then the, yeah, the 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 picture of the the old cranes, you know, pegging a dead fish in the pond. Yeah. In the drying farm, uh, just just some wonderful stuff. Um, yeah. It, Again, he reminds us of the, the impermanence of, of things, of this, this body, this mind, and, and the world that it's in. Mm. You know, you can, again, uh, I said many times, you, you can pull any of these sayings out at, at the appropriate time, just to sharpen your, your practice a little bit. Thank you. Mr. Haspel. Mr. Uh, I, I got a comment on that wheel of Duke. I wonder if they got to stop at the six property person so we should <laughs> resolve all the rest of that mess. involved in. We can sit in there and change it. Yeah, I don't think they have it. Um, yeah, it's just, it's such a, a great teaching, David, as always. The, the, um, Ignorance prevails out in the world, you know, and, and we want to we want to ignore four noble truths, but we do it through distraction. I want to ignore the fact when I'm 25 that at some point I might be 67. Or when I'm 67, I want to ignore the fact that I might be 80 or any other aspect of ignorance that doesn't accept me in this present moment. Because to, to me now, the most insane thing that any human being can do, but I'll speak for myself, is to not accept who and what I am right here, right now. Because 
right here, right now is all that I can ever be. And right here, right now is all that I'll ever be. Change may occur to me and make me into something different in the next moment or the next year. But right here, right now is the only life I can live. And this is what I have to be accepting. And again, you got me thinking, not, not an idea of what I might be, because that's just this, a distraction. This is what I am. Popeye was right. I am what I am. And when we can understand that at the most profound level, there's no conflict. Because when I can accept myself completely in this moment, without any conflict, without the need for me to be any different, then I don't need the world to be any different either. So no matter what's going on out there, it simply doesn't matter. It has nothing to do with me. I'm a six property person. It's all I can ever be. And I want to take care of this quality of life. I know best how to do it. To not put my to not put myself on the wheel. What am I going to be next? Or what could I be? What, what possibilities are there for me? Why? It's just this. It's just this peaceful, calm, present moment without the need for anything to be any different. Most importantly, including myself. Great teaching, Dave. Thank you. Thank you, John. Matthew. Good evening, everybody. Uh, really like what I heard the Sangha say tonight. Um, David, thank you for the teaching. Good. All right. So I believe Tom is teaching Saturday. We're going to confirm that. We're planning on it. We'll finish over here. We'll finish with the Karangina Metasutta. So find your meditation posture. And this is what is done by one who's skilled in goodness and who knows the path of peace. They are able and upright, straightforward and gentle in speech, humble and not conceited, contented and easily satisfied. They remain unburdened with duties and frugal in their ways. They are peaceful and calm and wise and skillful, not proud or demanding in nature. They do not do the slightest thing that the wise would later reprove. Always mindful that all beings be at ease. Whatever living beings they may be, whether they're weak or strong, omitting none, the great or the mighty, medium, short or small, the seen and the unseen, those living near and far away, those born and to be born. They are always mindful to not deceive another or despise any being in any state. They abandon anger and ill with ease, never wishing harm upon another. But even as a mother protects with her life, her child, her only child, so with a boundless heart, the wise disciple cherishes all living beings. They radiate kindness over the entire world, spreading upwards to the skies and downward to the depths, outward and unbounded, freed from hatred and ill will, whether standing or walking, seated or lying down, free from drowsiness, they maintain refined mindfulness. This is said to be the sublime abiding. By not holding to fixed views, the pure-hearted one, having clarity of vision, being freed from all sense desires, abandoned ignorance of the four noble truths. Thank you, David. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, David. Thank you, Jane. Thank you. Good night. Thank Bye. you, David. Bye, Bye. everybody. Good night, all. <coughs> Go to Jeff. I will. I will.
Can you please say hi to Adam if he's uh, around? He's uh, supposedly working overtime tonight. We shall see. <laughs> say hello for me. I will pass the message on. Listen. Bye-bye. I let him know. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. I rely on donations to support the continued restoration, preservation, and presentation of the Buddha's Dhamma. If you find benefit here, please consider a donation at becoming-buddha.com. Thank you. Peace.